Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. Patrick Conley, glad to be with you again, along with Cami Berthum, our producer, Paul Sonic, our technical producer, coming to you through the relevant Radio 1330 AM studios in Golden Valley. Joining us now is our old friend Jason Adkins, the executive director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference. And Jason, I just got to start out with by saying, sir, for full transparency here, when we reached out to you for an interview, it was after uh, we had heard that you had announced your resignation from the Minnesota Catholic Conferences. And we're, we're conference. We're so happy that you've stayed on, but I'm wondering if you can just shed a little bit of light on that, on what that transition was like and uh, why you decided to stay on. Patrick, it's first of all, a delight to be with you. Grateful to be on the program. I always look forward to our conversations because you're a very fine interviewer and these are always stimulating. So thanks for that. And yeah, you're, you're cor- absolutely correct. I had submitted my resignation. I am delighted to be back and continue to serve in the capacity as executive director. I changed my mind. That's the long and the short of it is through a process of discernment. I think people in lay ministry, uh, you were always looking at that nexus point between how do we serve our families and how do we serve the church or serve our communities? I had felt like after 10 years in the role that we had accomplished a lot. I had accomplished generally what I had set out to do at MCC with our very fine team and and a group of incredibly supportive collegial bishops, and that maybe it was time to take my skills and and do something else and serve in a different way and in a way that might uh, be beneficial to my family as well. Uh, Frankly, it's been an exhausting 10 years, and uh, I thought maybe that uh, it was time for a change. I don't think that people in church ministry should look at it as a career. It's kind of a vocation and within a vocation, and sometimes you need a refresh and a, and a re-examination of that. But after just an, really an outpouring of support uh, from people in our community, from our bishops who've been just wonderful and generous and outstanding during this whole discernment process, and just the realization that uh, there's still a lot to be done, and uh, I've decided to you know, I was called to stick around. I got reeled back in, uh, sort of. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's part of the discernment process. And uh, you go through it and it's difficult and it's awkward. I feel a little bit a bit like a guy who's been a witness to his own funeral being eulogized. And then I sort of pop out of the casket and it's like, hey, everyone, I'm back. Right. <laughs> so I hope right. all those good feelings. <laughs> I hope all those good feelings remain. The bottom line is I'm uh, delighted to be back. I feel like we've hit the reset button and um, looking forward to uh, really continuing to serve in this role. So thanks for giving the opportunity to clarify that. Yeah, thank you, Jason. Well, again, we are grateful that you're continuing on in this role. And, you know, kudos to you for having the guts to change your mind. I think that's just not something that you you hear a lot about in these, this day and age, that people don't even have the freedom to change their minds about things, even when they become convinced this probably isn't the way I, I need to be going. So kudos to you on that. And you led into my next question already by saying, I mean, you said that you felt like you had accomplished after 10 years. Congratulations, by the way. 10 years, you felt like you'd accomplished what you had been, set out to do. Why don't you take us back to those early days, uh, your first days with the MCC, and can, what was your what were your hopes and aspirations at that point? Well, um, I went back just and reviewed the, the first interview that our friend Joe Towalski did with me in the Catholic Spirit, and I laid out a oh, three- yeah. I laid out a three-point plan for the bishops, and I think, frankly, that's why they hired me, um, uh, was that, you know, three points, education, communication, and mobilization. We couldn't, it wasn't sufficient to have sort of church diplomats going to the Capitol on behalf of the bishops and saying, you know, legislators, you need to do these things. What we really needed to do was to activate the laity as faithful citizens 
allow them and give them concrete opportunities to join their voices to the voices of the bishops in the work of public policy, but then also train them to engage the public policy process on their own. I mean, there are a lot of different things outside of the narrow legislative agenda of the Minnesota Catholic Conference on which people can be doing to work for human dignity and the common good. We just highlight, you know, 10, 15, 20 issues a year um, on which uh, Catholics can and should be working because these issues have a big impact on human dignity. But there, look, there are thousands of bills introduced at the state capitol every year. There are all kinds of things happening at the local level, at the federal level. Um, and Catholics really need to live their discipleship as faithful citizens. Politics is not simply a hobby for people or shouldn't be a hobby for people who are just interested in it. Um, it's not always a delightful business, frankly, but we need Catholics infusing the public square, the infusing these places with the light of the gospel, places on the peri the existential peripheries and the margins. Right. Okay, so if that's kind of what it looked like from the outset, just reminisce with us for a bit. What are some of the key things that you think actually accomplished some of those things in drawing people into uh, an active, uh, a political act? Active. Well, I don't know if I want to say activism, but activity at least in uh, that uh, surrounds their and is, and is supported by is underwritten by their Catholic faith. Well, I think two key initiatives that have been extraordinarily successful is, is first, uh, the Catholic voice at the legislature is loud and clear in a principled and not partisan way. And that's happened because of things such as the growth of the Catholic Advocacy Network, tens of thousands of Catholics receiving our messages and communications, and then with a click of the mouse, communicating with their legislators on key issues. Um, you know, just in the last week of the legislative session on an issue such as school choice, we had over 5,000 messages uh, sent to legislators on education savings accounts. And Bishop Cousins helped stimulate that with a nice video that really inspired people to act. So that's that's how you move the needle is helping, is connecting people with their legislators. Another thing in terms of giving people concrete opportunities uh, in the public square, Catholics at the Capitol uh, has been phenomenal. We've done three of those now, and that's a way in which uh, legislators hear from their Catholic constituents on issues of concern, but it's also a way in which we break down barriers between uh, people and their legislators. We help them overcome the fear. We show them how to do it and let them know that it can be done. And people walk away from that thinking, oh, wow, I never knew it was this easy. Sometimes they don't even know you can talk to your legislators. They think they elect a person. Then it's like, well, I've delegated this to you for two years. My work here is done. No, we have to be an ongoing conversation, ongoing relationship with our elected officials. They need us, they count on us. And if we're not speaking to them, someone else will. Politics is just about showing up at the end of the day. I think the Catholics at the Capitol initiative has been such a powerful uh, and transformative, as you're referring to there, Jason, uh, a program or a an event, events that have been uh, really, really not just empowering individual lay people to get in touch with their legislators and having those important conversations with them. But it's also showing a bit of the solidarity that's shared amongst our our state, uh, not just our state bishops, but also all the diocese that they dioceses that they oversee. As you see Catholics from around the state, I know as uh, as kind of a roving reporter at a couple of these events and being able to talk to a number of people who have attended, Many of them are saying the same things about why they came. They came here because they wanted to stand up for their their Catholic beliefs and have it, as you said, principled, not partisan. But we, we want to make sure that these are well represented in and amongst our legislators. So we are grateful for that and all of your work with the Minnesota Catholic Conference. 
Just wondering how your work with the Minnesota Catholic Conference, what kind of an effect has it, has, has it had on you personally, especially when it comes to your own faith? How has it helped you grow in faith? Well, it's it's tremendously challenging, and uh, but also a, a huge opportunity for growth in the sense that you're kind of a public voice and a spokesperson for the church. So the eyes on you, you know, so you have to model in your life what you're saying with your words. You got to have to talk, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk, you know, those and those go hand in hand. So there's a little pressure there. Let's be perfectly honest. But right. it, it, it points to the importance of keeping your prayer life in order with, you know, without which not. I mean, we have to be grounded in the Lord because the work is ultimately about him. We are missionary disciples. We're not primarily lobbyists. We're primarily missionaries. And that's how you have to think of the work is the legislative work and the political work is the framework or the or the medium by which we advance the gospel. And that keeps you out of a lot of trouble is when you keep first things first and know that our work is about, at the end of the day, helping people to meet Jesus. And if I'm going to help people meet Jesus, then I've got better be meeting Jesus on a regular basis myself. And I'm a wretched sinner. Let me let just be clear about that. But I but I try. And, you know, am I a bridge builder at the end of the day? I have to ask myself, how, how am I helping people meet the Lord in this particular situation? That whether that's, you know, developing staff, our staff here and helping them do that, helping them be better missionary disciples, you know, working with uh, the people in the Catholic Advocacy Network, but then working with the legislators, too. I mean, we have all kinds of interesting conversations sometimes with legislators about their personal problems, their issues, their people, like just like you and me struggling with the same sorts of things. So. If we want to help other people be grounded in the Lord and meet the Lord, then we have to be doing that ourselves on a regular basis. And I really consider our work kind of a pre-evangelization. You know, the seed has to fall on fertile soil. It can't fall on rocky ground. And so the legislative work that we do helps till the soil. I'm not proactively going up to people and say, where is Jesus in your life? But what I am doing is trying to make the church a credible witness so that when people have that existential moment in which they have to ask themselves, who is Jesus in my life? The Catholic Church has given a credible witness of the gospel by speaking out on behalf of human dignity and the common good and is a place in which they can go and meet Jesus the Lord. So that's really the way in which we keep it um, grounded. And if we're going to do that effectively, then we need to gr be grounded in the faith ourselves. That's an excellent summary. I love how those two things just do go hand in hand, where it's uh, there is... Yeah, a place where, yes, we can speak up for the common good. We can show that there is human dignity. We can speak up and stand up for all those things which are true, good, and beautiful. But it's also the place where you can have this personal encounter with the Lord. Wonderful. And thank you, Jason, for your again, for your work in helping to bring that about in and through the Minnesota Catholic Conference. So wondering if you've had any particular mentors or people who have meant a lot to you over the past 10 years in terms of helping your work there with the MCC. You know, I've done a really poor job personally of, you know, going to mentors and, and cultivating specific mentors in a, in a formal sense of that term. But as Yogi Berra said, you can learn a lot by watching. And so I have some great witnesses, uh, you know, from uh, learn from a lot of people in the business and in the work. Um, I, I came to the work as a litigator of civil rights and constitutional law litigator, where there was always 
clear lines of, you know, good guys and bad guys. It was kind of a Manichaean uh, light and darkness sort of practice. And I had to learn how to do advocacy in a different framework, which is not every issue is a contest between good and evil. Reasonable people can disagree about things. How do we learn to disagree without being disagreeable? How can we be a bridge builder in the public work? How do we be a credible witness of the gospel? Sometimes that means taking tough stands and speaking out, being a voice for the voiceless, being kind of a prophetic voice. But so oftentimes people equate discipleship in the public arena with being John the Baptist. Believe me, there are plenty of wannabe John the Baptists out there, but what we need people doing oftentimes is uh, recognizing that sometimes it takes more courage not to speak and at the same time be a bridge builder because not every issue, the world's you know, fate does not hang on every issue and that reasonable people can disagree. So how do we model not just what we say, but how we say it. And I've had, you know, all legislators, Steve Gottwalt is a former legislator, a good friend of mine who's taught me a lot. Steve Hunnigs uh, from the Jewish Community Relations Council is a very dear friend of mine and has taught me a lot about being gracious in the work of public affairs and and the, in the political sphere. So people like that have been really extraordinary. And I've just been able to be graced with watching a lot of them and learning and, and taking a little bit of that and trying to continue to improve. Uh, very good. Very good. Good, wise words there, too, Jason. Well, we've only got a couple minutes remaining, but I did want to ask you any uh, snapshots as to what might be coming down the pike here with the Minnesota Catholic Conference? Well, I'm re-energized, so to speak, in the work and the staff here is terrified somewhat because uh, <laughs> we're, we're always on the go. But All right. But I think two key things, Patrick, I'd point to. The first is that we really have to do a better job as a church of cultivating lay people for service in public office. I can go down to the Capitol and speak till I'm blue in the face about key issues, but I need legislators and public officials who are sympathetic to hearing the message. And so we need to help people understand that politics is a noble vocation. It is one of the highest forms of charity because it serves the common good. And we need to encourage and train to the extent we can Catholics at all levels to serve in public life. We need priests asking public or lay people and tapping people and say, you would make a good public official. How many times about do we hear from people? I didn't, I what didn't convert or I became a priest because someone asked and this vocation within a vocation is similar along those lines. And so uh, really taking some strategic action to nurture and train and develop and cultivate and recruit lay people for service in public life, whether that's soil and water conservation district officer, state legislator, state auditor, whatever. We need good Catholics serving in public life. The second thing is supporting family economic stability. If we want strong families, that basic unit of society, uh, as Catholic social teaching te uh, shows us and helps us understand, and we see the effects of that all around us, we need to support uh, families. We're dealing with the symptoms of family fragmentation, family breakdown, but we need to help people incentivize them to get married, have children, and stay together. It's an economic necessity, but it's also uh, an important necessity from the standpoint of uh, the social fabric of our society. So those are two big things that we're looking at going forward at MCC. Fantastic. Well, Jason Adkins with the Minnesota Catholic Conference, your website is mncatholic.org. And we are grateful for all of your time that you have spent with the Minnesota Catholic Conference, as well as we look forward to the uh, the years that you will spend with them from here to come. Thanks for reminiscing with us, Jason. Ad multos anos. And with your spirit, Patrick. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
All right. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate that. We're going to go into our final break, but stay tuned. In just 30 seconds, Paul and I will return with some events to keep your faith running hot this August. Stay with us.